Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying only on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children. Music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio, airing five nights a week, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, on Ground Zero dot radio and the Aftermath FM app right after Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Secret Teachings. 
And especially if you're coming over from Ground Zero to check out the Secret Teachings, welcome to the broadcast. I was just thinking last night, this weekend marks my 13th year anniversary on radio. It's been 13 years. I've been doing the Secret Teachings officially for seven or eight years. So a lot of radio. And uh, we'll have an anniversary show coming up on Monday. Last night, if you missed the show, Brad Olson was here. We talked about the mapping of ancient civilizations. And I'm always so surprised with the radio world. It's a strange, odd, circus-like environment. And I don't mean this from a negative or a positive point of view. I just mean this from an observational point of view. I, I, I think it's funny. Like I do shows sometimes where I feel that I could have put more effort into them and they'll get thousands of downloads and shares and likes. And then I do a show with someone like Brad and I think, well, this show has to do really well. This, and we're talking about ancient maps and ancient civilization and aliens and all kinds of stuff. And then I see this morning that it has like a quarter of the, of the normal downloads that I get by the next morning after the show airs. <laughs> I just get, I just get confused. I just don't, the radio world is, is so it's harder to understand than, uh, you know, the most complex, uh, mathematics, I think, you know, and guys joke around and talk about how women are hard to understand. I, I don't think women or math or anything has, has, uh, anything on the radio business. I, I just, I, I still don't get it. I, I still don't understand it. But you know what? I think a lot of it has to do with the algorithm. A lot of it has to do with what is allowed to exist in cyberspace on social media. Certain things, um, you know, I could do a show on something silly. Like I could do a show on 90s kids cartoons. But if I put the wrong word in the promotion, in the image or in the text, it gets blocked or shadow banned or censored. And then I likewise could do a show on something controversial like uh, the Finders cult or Jeffrey Epstein or something like that. And as long as I don't use the, the, the wrong word, everybody will see it. And so part of it, I guess, is, is also the modern age of technology and big tech Silicon Valley censorship and the inability and the unwillingness of uh, so many people online to want to have uh, open discourse about, about subjects. And I, I was saving this, um, this topic for another show, and I'm not going to uh, discuss it tonight, but I just, I've been thinking about alternative media, whatever the alternative media is. I'm, I'm not really sure, honestly. And uh, the alternative media, the independent media, it's supposed to be separate from the, the typical ideology uh, of the left-right paradigm of the mainstream media. And most of what I see in the so-called alternative media, I've been around for 13 years. I've seen people come and go. I've seen uh, whether those are shows or podcasts or speakers or authors, people come and go and and I, I never understood, and I mean this, I guess, I guess because I'm a, in, in a way, I guess I'm an idealist, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a rationalist or a reasonableist. I, I need to just have, I need to have an understanding. And when I try to understand why it is that alternative media or whatever it is, I, again, I don't know what, what to call it, um, 
can seem to follow in the in the in the general uh, footsteps or the general structure of of mainstream media, and yet it continues to call itself independent and and all these things. And I was thinking about that for another show I'm putting together for next week or the week after, and it, it, it's it's just this this alternative narrative. The, the alternative to everything is is not much different than the mainstream <clears throat> to everything. Um, you know, the alternative media takes their talking points from official sources. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I see that just take talking points from Alex Jones. I, I, I mean, I can't tell you how many people I see that just take talking points from David Icke. And it's one thing to be inspired. It's another thing to like take those talking points and make that what you do as a radio show, as a podcast. And I'm not talking about anybody in particular. It's just the general environment uh, of, of uh, radio, of podcasting, of alternative media, quote unquote. And, you know, I, I, I just wanted to state it's kind of a public service announcement for, for, for the secret teachings and um, hopefully for, for anybody else who, who does uh, similar stuff to what I do. Um, when I talk about things like artificial intelligence or I talk about things like um, nutrition or I talk about things like the occult or whatever, I live the way that I speak. And so I know that it might be unpopular for some people, for those of you listening, I obviously you enjoy this show, hopefully. Um, I don't have like Vimo and Cash App and all these, I, I don't even know what all the apps are. And I don't use Reddit and all the chans and I don't even know what that stuff is. And to be honest with you, I don't really care. You know, I use PayPal. PayPal's bad enough and I don't really want to deviate from that. And if I do, I'm shutting down PayPal. I'll open up another account somewhere. I just don't want everything. I want there to be the least amount of digitization. I want there to be the least amount of computer systems running what I do. I want to be in control of it. I want to be, I want to be making the decisions. I, I don't want, you know, like I tried Gab, right? I tried Gab and Gab censored me and blocked me. And, and nobody believes me that Gab blocked me and, and prevented me from posting things. Gab would not allow me to post certain content on their website either. And I'm sure that we have people that are listening that are big fans of Gab. It's like, look, I, I don't support Gab. I don't support the alternative media any more than the mainstream media. I don't support Donald Trump. I don't support most politicians. I am just an individual who wants to understand anything and everything. I mean, I want to read everything I can get my hands on. I want to interview people. And I've noticed in the radio world, and I've talked to other radio hosts about this, it's becoming more difficult to get some types of uh, guests on the show because they don't want to be associated with other things you talk about. And, and this is, uh, I mean, in my experience, a relatively new thing. And so these, I guess that's part of my public service announcement tonight is, you know, I run this show. I don't have anybody producing it for me. Nobody runs the day-to-day. -day. Nobody runs the emails. Everything is intentionally antiquated. I don't like having systems run my subscription service. So, you know, sometimes people get upset at me and I tell them I'm running all this, all of this myself. I, I don't get more than seven, seven at the most hours of sleep a night. Um, that's at a, that's at best. A lot of nights I just don't have time to, I don't even have time to sleep. I'm running everything. And it's like, I'm, I, it's not a complaint, but I make like, I make like 10, uh, oh, well, a thousand, I was gonna say 1000 a thousand dollars a month, 
which is nothing. And now that, you know, I have rental uh, payments going up, I'm, I'm almost to the point where I'm going to have to get another job. And I just don't understand why there are things online that peddle total nonsense and garbage like uh, third phase of the moon or the wonder boy twins and all the David Wilcock people. These people make millions of dollars selling nonsense and garbage, selling things that are provable as fake within seconds of an internet search. And whether it's those people specifically, or it's just the idea that, I mean, I don't believe that you as an audience and the public wants disinformation. I don't believe that you want misinformation. I don't believe that you want something fictitious. I think that you want, I hope that you want thought. I I just hope that you want open discussion and open thought because that's what I want. And I hope that as an audience of the secret teachings, that's also what you want. And that's what I am trying to bring you here on the show. And that's what I'm going to try to bring you tonight It is Friday, October 7th, 2022. We're coming up quickly on Halloween. We're going to have a lot of uh, guests coming up next week and the week after. Uh, We've got a bunch of guests from podcasts. We've got uh, Karen Dahlman, who does the Ouija board. We have a bunch of guests coming up. Anthony Tyler's coming back and some others. So uh, stay tuned to that. Uh, The show with Brad Olson's in the archive, as I said. So you can check that out at www.thesecretteachings.info. All this is going through my head as I'm preparing for tonight's show and uh, sort of going back to last night's show. I I found this article after the show. uh, It's from vice, which is just terrible, terrible reporting, Uh, but they're reporting on a new study. And uh, the study is about the origin of life. And the study says, uh, basically it says that uh, it's been a longstanding mystery Uh, about the origins of life, uh, about how life originated from non-living or abiotic chemicals. Researchers at Purdue University have shown that peptides, which are strings of amino acids that are crucial building blocks of life, as most of you know, that they can spontaneously form in droplets of water during rapid reactions that occur when water meets the atmosphere. So like when a wave hits a rock and throws up you know, some mist or something like that. And uh, the study says, according to Purdue University researchers, this could occur in conditions similar to those that existed on Earth some 4 billion years ago when life first took hold on our planet. And they say the discovery provides, quote, a plausible route for the formation of the first biopolymers, which are the complex structures produced by living organisms. That's according to the study. It was published in Proceedings of the National Academy of Scientists, or Sciences, I should say. Uh, the team of scientists say the discovery could speed up the development of drugs and medical research and allow them to uh, design new uh, chemicals and chemical reactions. That's what, that's what they're saying. So I thought that was interesting because I read that after the show last night, and although we talked about mapping ancient civilization with Brad, we were also discussing, even before he came on, why there can't be a merging of things like creationism and evolution and why we're constantly fighting and bickering and not even debating over religious creationism. And I I don't want to label all scientists as atheists, but the idea of atheistic evolution. Um, 
And I, I, I've gotten, I've gotten at least two more emails this week. I get people that are so furious at me for not being a Christian. I had a guy, I'm pretty sure he was drunk. So, I mean, he was drunk. So what am I supposed to, (laughs) what am I supposed to do? Get upset at him. I'm not upset, but this guy emails me and he tells me that he couldn't find the show, obviously his fault because the show's on, but he said that, uh, He's, he's basically upset with me because I said I'm not a Christian and I don't explain why I'm not a Christian. I just, everything just, it's like there's just these cults. I'm, what does it matter if I'm a Christian? What does it matter if someone is Muslim? What does it matter if someone's a Jew? What does it matter if someone is an atheist? What does it matter if someone's a scientist? What does it matter what the label is? We have to stop labeling people. You're a creationist. You're an evolutionist. You're a Christian. You're, that doesn't matter. What matters is the person's ability to think and discuss things, their ability to express their consciousness through thought and through the verbalization of that thought and the creation of new things. That's what matters. The labels don't mean anything. I know that might sound like a hipster statement, but labels mean nothing. It doesn't. What does it matter what I am or what you are? What matters is the raw data. What matters is the information itself. That's what matters, or that's what should, at least in my opinion, that's what should matter. So while we're debating and discussing and arguing over what created or what evolved and what's behind what, we have so much information around us. This is what we talked about last night with Brad. I mean, you have, he talked about Yonaguni last night. You have Yonaguni, Gigantesia, you have all the classics, Machu Picchu and all those that you hear about on the ancient aliens. Um, Non-Madal, you have the Clerkstorp spheres, the Antikytherian device, the Baghdad battery. You have, you have little tiny metal cubes. You have the Tucson-led artifacts. I mean, you have things that just totally redefine and completely defy traditional history and even traditional religion. Most history is based on archaeology and science, so it just defies science, it defies archaeology, it defies religion. And it wouldn't defy these things if we could bring them together and find cohesion between them. That would make things more commonsensical. Things would make more sense if we could combine these ideas together. But instead, we believe things based solely on faith without any observational evidence, or we believe things based on observational evidence, which ironically is based on faith. We have faith in, you know, fossil records. We have faith in the archaeological records. We have faith that the Smithsonian isn't throwing things into the ocean or grinding them up and throwing them in the garbage can. We have faith that archaeologists are honest. We have faith in, in, in that scientists and scientific studies are honest. I mean, we, we, we still have no idea how the moon was formed. And yet, over, over decades, scientists keep producing these studies. I just read another one uh, uh, last night. How did the moon form? A supercomputer may have just found the answer. And then I read the article, and it says the moon, this is live science, the moon could have formed immediately after a cataclysmic impact that tore off a chunk of Earth and hurled it into space, a new study suggested. It was published October 4th in the journal the Astrophysical Journal Letters. That's the name of the journal. But it, this isn't a new idea. This is an old, this is an old idea. It, I mean, I'm pretty sure they call this the whack theory. And then the science didn't pan out for the whack theory, so they called it the double whack theory. And that doesn't pan out either. The moon shouldn't exist where it is. 
and 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 in trying to figure out where the moon came from or where earth came from or where humans came from we're not even doing that anymore we're regressing backward to a primal state where we still think the earth is flat or one of the new ones is the earth isn't even flat it's a globe but it's an ice globe and the earth that we know if you took the 3d earth and put it on a 2d map is just one section of this giant ice globe We are moving backward into a primal state. And as we move backward into this primal state, new technologies are moving us forward into a non-primal state. While we are moving backward, the things that we are designing and developing and creating, the things that we are adjusting and adapting and, and, and manipulating are moving rapidly in the other direction. I don't know if anybody listening is a fan of the Dune series. I've never really read science fiction before. Maybe that surprises you. It kind of surprises me when I start to read some science fiction. I'm like, oh, these are ideas that I I, I love talking about these things. I know Arthur C. Clarke, and I, I know these guys. I just don't really read a lot of science fiction. I like non-fictional work. But I've been reading Dune, and I've almost made it through the entire uh, original six-book series. And, uh, you know, there's there's secret societies like the Ben Gesserit and there's, uh, you know, Paul Atreides is, you know, he's the Messiah. And uh, you have all these tropes and all these ideas and concepts and sigils that are that are in that series, which I think is what makes it so good. It even came out, I think, came out before Star Wars, too. So it was a big thing in the science fiction world, even before that thing was, you know, popularized more so by Star Wars as we know it. So I'm reading Dune and um, there, you know, there's reference in the original Dune series to something called the Butlerian Jihad. Um, uh, and it's basically going way back into history uh, in the Dune universe, which is slightly based. They mention Earth and, um, you know, some ancient Earth civilizations like we discussed last night. And there's this idea that like machines became too, too, um, too much of a th- of thinking organisms. And the more machines thought, the less humans thought. And the more machines thought, the more human the machines became. And the less humans thought, the less human the humans became, the more machine-like they became. So the Butlerian protocol is that thousands of years in the future where the Dune series takes place, there's essentially a, a an agreement throughout the universe and the empire that technology will be kept at base minimum and we won't allow machines and robots to think for. So they develop these, these human-like computers, which are the, the Mintats. And they do the calculations and things like this. They're kind of like Matilda. You know, they're, they're basically uh, organic supercomputers, but they're trained in this, this, this uh, type of thought. And it's that idea, it's, it's incredible uh, writing if you never read Dune. I, I, I love that series. Um, and it's, it's the idea that as machines get smarter and begin to think for themselves, they become human. And the less humans think, by extension, by default, the less human we become and the more machine-like we become. And so, you know, people are kind of mocking and laughing at Elon Musk's Optimus robot. I'm sure that you saw this uh, on uh I think they called it AI Day, it's the end of September, where Musk unveiled his Tesla bot called Optimus. 
And we've discussed Optimus in the past. We did a whole show on Tesla and the Twitter purchase, which is still uh, at the moment, uh, Musk, uh, Elon Musk has until the end of October, I think the 28th, to purchase Twitter. And uh, NPR is really angry. I was reading this morning because they said Elon Musk is going to bring free speech to Twitter, and that's dangerous to have free speech. I, I guess that's what they're teaching in these uh, communist Marxist uh, Gestapo schools that we call universities. But uh, So he's supposed to buy it by the end of this month. And I was saying uh, months and months and months ago, I think we did a show back in April, uh, that basically what the reason I think he's buying Twitter is because of the information and the data. And I think it's going to be used to fuel uh, the algorithm and the AI that is the Optimus robot in part. I don't think he's a bad guy. I don't think he's a good guy. I think he's he's robotic and, if you will, autistic, if you will, in, in, in his actions and the way that he interacts and I think he's a smart guy. I just don't think he has good or bad intentions. I think he's just doing things. And I think that he wants the Twitter data. He wants more people communicating. He wants raw, honest, open communication, free speech, because that fuels the AI and that fuels the, the, these robots. But, you know, you've seen people, perhaps you've seen this, or maybe not, you've seen people kind of making fun of his Optimus robot because, you know, it, it doesn't look like a, a, a T-1000. And, and you have to ask the question, to yourself, do these people honestly think that uh, even in the Terminator series, this fictional world, they just developed those machines uh, outright? Uh, I mean, there had to have been a background. There had to have been a backstory. And you saw that with Skynet. Uh, the guy basically is t- creating Skynet on a computer in his office at home. There's a background to it. So the idea is, yeah, Optimus, it's something I couldn't build. Uh, but you know, Elon Musk and his team, they built it, the Tesla robot, the Optimus, and you look at it and it's kind of rudimentary, but the thing is, it's, it's, a, it's a foundation for what is going to come later. And the more these machines think, the more human they become. And we start to have to think about human rights for machines, but the less humans think, the less human they become, the more machine-like we become we ultimately become obsolete. That doesn't mean machines can't help us. They do. Machines help us immensely. But we're not talking about just machines. We're talking about humanoids. We're talking about replacing organics with synthetics. And the human body is a very replaceable thing in this regard. Tonight's show I called Optimus Primal because we are being reduced to a primal state and the primal Optimus is just the beginning. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. This is just the beginning of tonight's show. A lot more after this. Stay with us. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. I hope that you'll check out my new book, Liberty Shrugged. I wrote Liberty Shrugged to provide historical context and to dispel many of the myths that we learn about in American history. Inside the nearly 700-page book, you'll learn about meritocracy, the differences between civil liberties and civil rights, and how Western civilization didn't start slavery, but ended it as an institution that had existed for thousands of years. How many of the Founding Fathers did indeed own slaves, but what was peculiar about this was that these men would fight to end the institution for a variety of reasons. 
We look at the real causes of the American Revolution and the American Civil War. We prove without a doubt that slavery was in no way, shape, or form the cause of current socioeconomic issues which affect all people regardless of their color. In other words, this book dispels countless divisive social, cultural, and historical myths in an attempt to objectively find humble gratefulness in the American experience. Get your copy of Liberty Shrugged at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. This is David Icke from davidike.com and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. From Ground Zero to The Secret Teachings, keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you want to get rid of those annoying ads and get extra perks like access to the montage archive, digital copies of Ryan's books, and early access to the show, then subscribe to the full show archive at thesecretteachings.info. Visit the website and click the button that says subscribe. You can do so monthly, yearly, or through a one-time donation. Your support always keeps the secret teachings on the air. If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. I really hope that when you tune into the secret teachings, you don't think that I'm anti-technology. I'm not anti-technology. I don't even know what that slanderous slur means. I just think that with everything else and like everything else, we need objectivity and we need balance and understanding uh, the usage of, of such things. I'm not sure how many of you are Catholics or how many of you are Christians or religious in some way. I'm sure a lot of you, because I, I get a lot of crap because I'm not a Christian, although I'm, I live more like a Christian than most Christians I've known. But, uh, you know, Catholics tend to believe, um, probably more so than most Christians, that the body of man is impure, right? That there's something impure about it. And you can interpret that in a large variety of ways, but the idea is that the body is impure and that the flesh is in decay. And as a result of that, we need uh, external, if you will, salvation or vicarious atonement. And so in order to achieve this salvation, we have to go through what, as an occultist, we would call the lesser birth. And the lesser birth is basically the Christian idea, the Christian notion of being born again. Now, philosophically and symbolically, and 
esoterically, hidden within this impure body, is the Savior. That's why they say that Jesus knocks on your heart and you let him in. It's inside of you. You know, and when you say, like, I'm an extension of God or, you know, the God is within me, that obviously is interpreted quite literal by Catholics and Christians and others, and they find that to be offensive and sacrilegious, and they find that to be a, just a, a terrible, terrible thing. It's, it's evil. It's demonic. How dare you say you are God? You are an impure being that needs to be whipped and beaten into submission. But the thing is that there, unless you have this idea of sin, you cannot have salvation because there's nothing to be saved from. If you're just perfect, then you don't understand what is wrong because you never do any wrong, right? There's no salvation without sin, and there's no resurrection without death. Again, this is the Christian idea of being born again. But if you go into the mystical and the mythical tradition of Catholicism and Christianity, you find the Gnostics, just like you find Sufism in Islam, you find the Kabbalah in Judaism, and you find the various Eastern religions, which tend to be more mindful and um, focused on spiritual development as an individual uh, passion and, and thing. So the Catholics, as opposed to, let's say, the, the Christian mystics, the Gnostics, were really separated by the concept of guilt as it relates to original sin. So when we have the, the idea of, of God turning into to man, right, the son, sacrificing himself for all mankind, that's the vicarious atonement. We're waiting for that to happen so man can be absolved of his sin. Now, to the, the Gnostics, they believe something slightly different. The Gnostics believe that this sin was a fault of God's injustice. In other words, an imperfect creator designed an imperfect world. For it was not Adam's fault for his misdeeds, it was the result of Ieldabaoth, kind of like the devil, um, the opposite of God. It was, it was Ieldabaoth's error. Now, whether you have ever heard this or believe this is irrelevant because there are people who do believe that God is unjust as a concept, let alone a deity, and God is imperfect, and God created an imperfect world. And as a result of that, and this is, for me, where things get a little confusing, they believe, mostly those at Silicon Valley and others, they believe that they can fix the problem that God created with creation, right? So they play on a notion and an idea that they themselves don't believe. They don't believe in creation. They believe in evolution, random chance, that they can be the gods by usurping the cultural god, the god in, of, of, of the Bible, the god of uh, Islam, Allah, and etc., and uh, that they can create a more perfect world. So they essentially are saying that they can replace God Except in the Gnostic tradition, although God's injustice and God's imperfect creation is not so much a fault of, of God 
the good God. It's a fault of the, the bad God, if you will, I Eldabath. So in a sense, they, they are not positioning themselves as this evil thing to take over the world, as some believe. They are positioning themselves as the savior of mankind to fix the devil's error in creation. That's what Silicon Valley is doing. That's what the, the, the tech gurus and the tech giants are doing. Just a few days ago, I don't know if you saw this, I'm sure most of you have by now, Elon Musk unveiled the Tesla bot or the Optimus bot. And some people made fun of it and said, well, look at that thing, that's, that's ridiculous. That it can't do backflips, it can't hold guns, it can't go into battle. What's the point of that? Well, it's a stepping stone to more advanced robots, to more advanced technology, first of all. And uh, even CNET, you know, the tech website, they ran a headline that said, don't laugh off Elon Musk's Tesla bot. Optimus is the real deal. Tesla is putting together the right engineering team for rapid progress, which is, yes, what they are doing. It's pretty clear to see that. I also think that Elon Musk is purchasing Twitter not because he believes in free speech, maybe he does, but because free speech is a beneficial and uh, positive thing that can benefit the further development of AI and his Optimus robot. How? Why? Well, because allowing more people, everybody, to speak on the largest social media platform in the world, that is more data that can be learned from. That is more data that can fill the brain, artificial, of course, but can fill the brain of this new technology, literally and figuratively. So, of course, he wants there to be free speech. Of course, he wants there to be open discussion because that's more information. That's more data. And that's what the world is run on. It's run on data. It's run on algorithms. You know, you might think that you select the next TV show to watch on Netflix, but more often than not, Netflix is making the decision for you. And the more information and data you give Netflix the more Netflix decides what you watch next. You know, are you really hungry at three in the morning when you see that fast food commercial? Or has the commercial made you feel hungry? Do you really need those products that you're being sold on commercial breaks, on your watch TV in the middle of the night, those infomercials? Or do they make you feel like you need them? I mean, when I run commercials here on the show... I enjoy what I do. I love what I do. I want to share it with you. We offer a subscription to support the show, and I've written a bunch of books that I put in my blood, sweat, uh, tears, and maybe uh, a quarter inch of my hairline into. And I want to share those with you, but I I can't give them away for free so people purchase them. But I'm not selling you something based on emotion. I'm selling you something based on consciousness, based on humanity. I want you to think. I want you to explore. I want you to have an adventure. I want you to learn something. I want you to be excited about what you learn. That's why I do what I do. I'm not trying to sell you something false with bells and whistles. And the thing is, when you you look at this robot that Elon Musk has, has created, it is, as CNET said, a stepping stone and it's the establishment of something that is going to allow for rapid progress in this field. Now they've said that they want this robot to do uh, 
household chores and kind of like iRobot, right? iRobot. And uh, remember that movie that came out with, um, uh, with Will Smith? Uh, I don't know when that movie came out, but the, uh, the iRobot movie, which is based, of course, off of a uh, science fiction story. Not sure what year the uh, uh, movie came out. I'm trying to look here. I'm just trying to figure this out to let you know. Uh, 2004. I was very young when that came out. It takes, and it takes place um, in 2035, which isn't too far off from now. And if, obviously, if you're uh, an Isaac Asimov fan, he, uh, he wrote the, the story for it originally. Uh, the movie came out in 2004, and it's placed in 2035, which is a very good time frame for the development of a much more advanced Optimus robot. But I called the show tonight Optimus Primal because... Let's, well, let's define the word primal. Let me open up my dictionary here, and we'll type in the word primal. Most of you probably know what it means, but let's get a direct def- definition from the dictionary. Relating to an early stage in evolutionary development, primal or primeval, that is the Optimus robot. Right now, it is the Optimus primal. It is in its early stage, although it's not evolutionary, of its evolutionary in a sense, but creationist environment or development. And within the next, well, by 2035, when iRobot takes place, the story by Asimov, we're looking at uh, rapid developments, also with computer power doubling, tending to double. Rapid developments by the end of this decade, let alone into the midpoint of the next decade. So not that 2035 is a prediction point for some kind of development, but that gives us, um, gives us a good timeline for the development of this Optimus Primal into something that is more conscious and aware, like, uh, you know, I think his name was Sonny in uh, iRobot. So what does all that mean? What does all this mean? Well, the more that these machines begin to think, the more human they become. We... we uh, we define, I mean, the Greeks define, know thyself. We define what it means to be human by the ability to think and to be aware and to feel. And all those feelings and all that awareness is just a, a computer program in the brain, right? When you touch something, taste something, smell something, hear something, see something, these are just nerve endings, they're electrical signals, and they're turned into feelings by the brain, which is a processor and a decoder of information. So if you can program that into a robot, what obviously is to say that that robot is not actually feeling and actually tasting, etc., the things that we can feel and taste, etc. But the more we are able to think and have complex thought, which I think is really important, the more human we become, the more we can express our conscious awareness and develop things like the mind of God and the universe creating or allowing through creation for the evolution. I think they're sort of one and the same. And there are other elements as well I think we could discuss in regard to that as we did, as we did last night. But we are an extension of the macrocosm and what we create becomes a further extension of that, but as a microcosm. I mean, this is why 
We also discussed this last night as well. This is why our ancestors, I believe, were able to look up into the heavens, were able to look at the stars and come up with a general idea of, of a solar system, right? Of a sun and planets revolving around it. And based on the idea of as above, so below, they said, well, if the macrocosm looks like this, the microcosm must look like this. The universe is made up of that. So the tiny universes inside of ourselves must be made up of the same thing. And you don't need a microscope to know that. You just know that the protons and neutrons of an atom are basically the sun, and the electrons are the planets. That's the microcosm in comparison with the macrocosm. And in between that, you have other examples. You have, in nature, the Fibonacci sequence, the golden mean. You have seashells. You have flowers. You have the development of a fetus. You have hurricanes, galaxies. You have tornadoes. You have vortexes. You have things that mirror the heavens on Earth and things that mirror the Earth and the heavens that make up the Earth and that make up the heavens. All of it interconnected, all of it intertwined, all of it coexisting in an interconnected fashion and building the big builds the small, the small builds the big. It's all interconnected in that way. And along with that line of thought, understanding the concept of consciousness, or again, perhaps you want to define it as God, allows us to be human. This is how I see, and I think by definition, what it means to be human. We are advancing in our understandings, and the more that we use our brain, the more that we use our mind, the more that we express our consciousness, the more human we become. Now, there is a, a, a gross fallacy when it comes to machines and technology and uh, economics. Like, for example, if you think about uh, the Industrial Revolution, back then, just like we are arguing today, some were arguing that machines would get rid of human labor entirely and everybody would be out of a job. And they said that was a bad thing. Others thought that was a good thing and we would live in a utopian society where we wouldn't have to do anything. Machines would take care of everything. But the catch is, and the irony is, all those machines did was take away more difficult work or make certain work easier to do and make work that was only producing a little bit produce a lot. So as machines took over certain responsibilities, new jobs developed. Like the idea of, well, now you have to have someone to maintain the machine. So that creates a new job, although other, you know, even though other jobs are destroyed. I mean, do, I mean w would we say that um, someone who was a whaler, who was, who was finding whales and killing them and taking the fat to make oil for lamps, and that was be you know, before electricity, electricity is going to put these whalers out of business. Well, well, in a sense, good. And they can find new jobs in a new environment. And we have uh, new technological developments that advance us forward in some way. But the thing is about machines and technologies like this that are not a fallacy and that are not ironic is when we start building them to replace us before we, and I mean not in a workplace, but as actual beings, as actual uh, creatures, 
to replace that which is organic with that which is synthetic. And when we watch the development of these technologies, what we're watching is artificial intelligence and algorithms learning from what we do. They're like the Martians from the classic story and uh, broadcast, War of the Worlds. They are watching and scrutinizing humans on Earth as you would watch uh, droplets um, under a slide or under a microscope, creatures under a microscope. The, the, the AI, the artificial intelligence, is learning from what we do. Now, as we've employed AI and algorithms, that has allowed for the development of new jobs. It's not allowed for the total elimination of, of human labor. In fact, the more machines, the more technology we have, it seems like life becomes more difficult. Although on the surface, it feels as if life is becoming easier because we have a microwave, because we have uh, a door cam, we have a cell phone. But, you know, as I said before, quite literally, when you're staring into that cell phone, when you're staring into the, um, the tablet or the computer or whatever it is, I, I, what exactly is that? Th- that is a black mirror. That is a screen that you are looking into whether it's on or off, and the energy that you are investing in that and directionalizing toward that is the energy that one might find in uh, occult practices which would be geared toward and directed toward the creation of an artificial thing. The homunculus, for example, the little man, the child created through a process of shutting certain alchemic or spagric substances into a glass vessel and allowing it to putrefy. This is a metaphor, quite a gross metaphor, but it's a metaphor for the creation of artificial life and our, uh, new forms of life. And we are creating this new kind of life today in a different way. A lot of the things that we believe, a lot of the things we think, it's metaphor, it's symbol. You know, people get mad at me when they say, well, Ryan, someone left a review on Apple Podcasts. Don't listen to this show unless, unless you, you're not a Christian because Ryan just thinks the Bible's a metaphor. Hey, it is a metaphor, but that doesn't mean the whole Bible's a metaphor. There are stories in, the, the, in there that are, that are real. It's also a history book. We've got to stop labeling things as these definite, finite uh, things. It's just, it doesn't help us. It makes it more difficult to learn and to understand. So when you're trying to create this artificial person, this little person in alchemy, it is a metaphor and a lot of other things. It's a metaphor for the creation of of a new substance, of a new life. It's transformative. It's alchemical. This is what we all go through. When we go through the alchemical process in life, we are, going back to the Christian and the Gnostic and the Catholic ideas I mentioned a little bit ago, we become born again, right? We become born again Christians. We become born again. We are born as a little person, and then we grow and we learn both physically and um, symbolically, mentally, emotionally, etc. And those that are unable to, uh, to grow 
never reach the point of being able to fulfill the alchemical process, never are reborn. And then we develop these ideas of they're having to go back through the process of death and rebirth and all that stuff and star children. I, personally, I think a lot of that is, is just total um, delusion, total delusion. Uh, but the concepts are not delusional. And the concepts of uh, the creation of a little person, the rebirth, or the being born again, alchemical transformation, that's very real. And we all experience that in some way, whether we experience it uh, in its fullest capacity or not. So understanding the machine, mechanical, technological, robotic aspect and understanding the spiritual, chemical, transformative aspect. I go back to what I said earlier. The more that the machines think, I'm not talking about the cotton gin. I'm not talking about a tractor. I'm not talking about a calculator. The more that machines actually think and become conscious, the more human they become. I'm not the first person to present this idea. This is not a new idea. But what might be a new idea for some people is that the more humans invest their essence, soul, spirit, consciousness, and energy into those machines, the more you are transferring yourself into that digital, mechanical, cold, metal thing, structure, reality. So when people say that, I'm not going to upload myself into a computer. I'm not going to support that. I don't believe you can upload consciousness. You're actually very, very wrong. And whether you believe that or not truly, and whether you live that outside of your statement, is irrelevant because whether you know it or not, me, I'm included in this, we are already transferring our energy to these machines. And order, and I mean that conceptually machines, in order that they become human and we become obsolete. See, this is where the idea of avatars and uploading consciousness, this is where all this comes into play. We might not be fully conscious of it, but we are transferring our consciousness to machines, to those vessels, and we are birthing new things within them, which again, that is the alchemical process and the creation of the homunculus. We are putting our energy into a vessel. And the more that that vessel is fueled by that energy, you know, like the lightning strike, Frankenstein's monster, all that, the more energy we put into that vessel, the more that the little thing, the little person begins to grow and begins to form. And the more that it grows and forms, the more conscious it becomes, just like a baby. The more conscious it becomes, the more human it becomes. And as we transfer ourselves into these vessels, we don't have to upload consciousness by plugging into a computer. The more we transfer our essence into these things, part of that is through the data, the big data, that is uploading into the machine. That is the avatar. That is the transference of consciousness. The more we do that, the more human it becomes, the more avatar-like it becomes, the more conscious it becomes. And the less conscious, the less human we become. So as we are waiting 
for some kind of um, you ever seen the Incredibles, the little boy that waits outside Mr. Incredibles house and, and Mr. Incredibles like, what are you waiting for? He's like something incredible to happen. We're just waiting for something incredible to happen. We're like, oh, look, there's a robot. And some people are like, oh, they're going to take our jobs. And, and no, no, none of that's going to happen. But the more that you support systems that are actually conscious and aware, the more you are creating an avatar, the more you are transferring your essence and consciousness to a vessel, the more you are performing an actual alchemical experiment in the ancient tradition by which you are becoming more machine-like and transferring yourself into that vessel you are becoming more machine. It is becoming more human. It is sucking the life out of you and turning you into that Morpheus battery, if you will, where the machines feed off of us, but it's not because they're liquefying us in a field to grow humans. They're feeding off of the essence and the energy. We're transferring our humanity to those metal vessels, conceptually, literally, figuratively, etc. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. A lot more coming up after this. A little bit different than the first hour. Stay with us. We'll be back. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. So it's taken months, but my new book, Liberty Shrugged, is finally available. Nearly 700 pages with archived images, it will leave you fascinated and wanting more. See, hatred for America and the Constitution is based on misconceptions of history and the rule of law. Charges of racism, sexism, and bigotry don't hold up to history and context. They stem from nullifiers who wanted to replace the Constitution and maintain hierarchy, as with the Confederate Constitution, which aimed to preserve the institution of slavery. But racism was not the foundation of that institution. It was a final justification to defend an institution which had existed forever and for which Western civilization and colonialism was actually taking steps to end. Africans and Arabs organized slave trading far exceeding anything in the Atlantic, and some continue to this day. Also, a woman's role in household duties was as systemic as a man's role in the legislature or on the battlefield. Indian tribes, when they weren't at war with one another, were choosing sides with the Europeans. See, we can't address history from the air-conditioned seats of a progressive university and pass judgments on men, women, and events that we know nothing about. My book, Liberty Shrugged, attempts to dispel countless historical, cultural, and social myths in order to find an objective understanding of history, the present, and the future. It's Liberty Shrugged at www.thesecretteachings.info. I hope you'll get a copy today for yourself, for your friends, for your family. I think you'll really enjoy it. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio. Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Thanks, Ryan. This is David Knight with the DavidKnightShow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. 
Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. tuned into the secret teachings radio i'm your host ryan gable the secret teachings airs monday through friday five nights a week 10 p.m to midnight pacific and look if you're having trouble listening to the show you can always find the actual stream at ground zero dot radio ground zero dot radio is the only way to listen you can also find the link If you search Aftermath FM, the app, in the App Store and download that for free. And The Secret Teachings comes on right after Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis. Thank you so much for staying with us tonight if you're coming over from Clyde's show. If you're just joining us, welcome to the broadcast. I would like to thank all of our subscribers, all of the people who have bought books, including my new book, Liberty Shrugged. I don't know how to say this any other way, but... Sincerely, if it were not for you, we would not be on air. If you don't buy a book, if you don't subscribe, we would not be here. I know people think, well, if you're in radio and people know who you are and you've had big guests on, you must be making millions of dollars. I'm not. (laughs) It's that simple. I'm not. I'm making less than $1,000 a month right now. I think the, the last month it was like $950, barely pays rent. Rent's going up. I might have to get a part-time job. So it's not a thing where I'm begging for money. I'm telling you that there isn't a lot of money in this. I'm not doing it for money. I'm doing it to present you with really important, powerful thoughts and information. And uh, this uh, weekend is actually my 13th anniversary in radio. And uh, actually, I should I should put a call out right now. If anybody wants to join me on the anniversary show to talk about the secret teachings or something you like or don't like about the show. I don't know. I'd, I'd like to have some listeners on. We used to do a lot of call-ins. I haven't done that now because I just don't have the financial and the technological means to do it. So if you want to, you want to do a show with me, I'll try to get as many people as possible. Reach out to me by email at rdgable at yahoo.com. It's going to be a fun laid back show, uh, the 13th anniversary show. And uh, if you want to be a part of that, rdgable at yahoo.com. Otherwise, the secretteachings.info is the website. You can subscribe, buy a book, all that on the website. Uh, our affiliate sponsor, Pro and Water Filters. And uh, if you want to uh, check out our social media pages, you can do that. We are shadow banned, blocked, censored, etc. But if you want to find us, I still post the promos there, TST underscore underscore radio and facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. You know, when I'm shadow banned, I don't have like a whole conservative party to support me. I don't have Christians to support me. When I'm shadow banned, I don't have like the whole Democratic Party to support me. I don't have like atheists to support me or Satanists. Uh, I'm, I'm just me. It's just, just I'm just a unique individual like the rest of you. And I have uh, I have thoughts that I want to share with you. Like, you know, Elon Musk unveils this Optimus robot, right? The Tesla bot. 
And as we were getting toward the end of the last segment, I really transitioned into um, the core thought, the core pillar of tonight's show, which is Optimus Primal. Primal is defined as an early stage in development. And the idea is that as robots, literal humanoid robots, but AI in general in particular, becomes more thoughtful than it becomes by one definition or another, more conscious. The more conscious and thoughtful it becomes, the more human-like it becomes. The more we can program it to feel, the more human it becomes. And the more we interact with social media, algorithms, and technologies, the more we peer into that dark mirror, that screen, that scrying surface, and the more we conjure those subconscious inner demons, and the more we become machine-like or robotic in a traditional sense of the word and the term, robotic, machine-like, etc., we're not just cyborg with these technological extensions and adaptations. We become machine-like and less human. The AI becomes less machine-like and more human. You also have things like cyborg flesh, living tissue that can be put over the robots. It's just like the Terminator, but all of this is being developed. Now, the Tesla bot is more like Sonny. I think the character's name was Sonny from iRobot which takes place in 2035. We're very close to 2035, and the Optimus robot, which some people have mocked, uh, CNET said, don't mock it, don't laugh at it. It's real. It's the real deal. And Tesla is putting together the engineering people, the right engineering people, to make this a reality, a real robot that is going to be conscious and aware and able to go take your trash out or bring you a cup of tea or whatever. Uh, That this is a real thing. And that this is the starting point for which rapid development is going to occur. Now, in that process, we hear a lot about uploading ourselves into a machine or a computer. And I think we tend to forget that every time we buy something, every time we post something, every time we interact, every time we share information, every text message for that matter, phone call, email, whatever, all of that is cataloged, all of that is put into a database. All of that is used to teach the algorithm and the AI how to read human patterns of behavior and become more human. The more we have deep fake, the more we have that organic skin that we can put over synthetics, the more we replace the organic world with the synthetic world in general, the more that we turn over our decision-making capabilities to Netflix or to Hulu to decide what we watch next, the less human we become. And in that process with social media in particular, we are uploading our data into a system that is creating a digital replica, a digital avatar, a digital clone of ourselves. We are putting energy, currency, electricity into a vessel and inside that vessel the machine, the cold metal, the wires, is the AI brain, literally and figuratively. It is the little 
person in the alchemist's vessel. It is Optimus Primal. It is the homunculus. It is the tiny person. It is the little person ready to burst forth, ready to grow, ready to learn. And the more it becomes conscious, the more human it becomes, the more avatar-like it becomes, again, through the uploading of our information, thought patterns, etc., we become less human, it becomes more human, it begins to replace humans, not in the workforce, because the Industrial Revolution didn't end human employment. Machines can be helpful, the cotton gin, you know, the steamboat. But we're not talking about cotton gins or steamboats, we're talking about uploading our behavioral processes through likes and dislikes, what we share, what we heart, what we tweet, what we retweet, what we say, what we hashtag, what we tweet at, what we post in pictures and videos, what we watch, what we listen to. We put all of that into the system. It, it is, it's making a database and it's creating a digital replica of us. And once you get the digital replica and the general thought pattern and behavior pattern, you no longer need the source of that information. It's like scrap notes. Once you transfer them, you can throw the scrap notes out. And to the people that are constructing these things, we are the scrap notes. We are imperfect. And that's the stupid, strange, weird, odd, freaking bizarre thing. Is that if you speak to most Christians, especially Catholics, they believe that humans are imperfect and that we need salvation. But if you speak to atheists in Silicon Valley, they believe the exact same thing. Humans are imperfect and they need salvation. The only thing they disagree on is who's going to provide that salvation. Catholics say you have to do it through the church as an intermediary between God and man, the priest, the pope, etc. Silicon Valley says, no, you do it through us. You do it through the blue bird. You do it through the metaverse. You do it through the Instagram. We are the priests. We will interact with God and we will determine what God thinks of you and what God wants you to do and will allow you to do. When you see Elon Musk telling you that he wants free speech on Twitter, maybe he believes that. I don't think he's good or bad. But you know what I think he really wants? I think he wants that open discussion because he wants the data. I mean, what could allow the AI for his Optimus and the algorithm and the AI in general to learn quicker than unfiltered, raw data from billions of users around the world through Twitter. Think about that. It is that machine that is the vessel. Our energy, our consciousness, when we put it into that, energizes like a bolt of electricity, like an orgasm without the solar spirit, however, the little person, the homunculi inside, the homunculus. The more human it becomes, the less human we become. Now, humans have been trying to do this kind of thing for centuries. I mean, the whole idea of what I just described there is a literal alchemical process, which is different than the spiritual alchemical process by which we directionalize immense amount of energy internally into ourselves. The body is the vessel 
into ourselves. And then that energy that we put into ourselves helps to realign our spiritual centers, if you will. And in that process, we become closer to source or to God. So the body of the human is also a vessel. But when we invest our energy into a external vessel, we are creating something that is ungodly. We are creating something that is, well, a lot of people might call it demonic. We're not just talking about machines and economics and the cotton gin and stuff like that. We're, we're talking about creating a whole nother species. Synthetic life forms, artificial intelligence, robots, etc. Now, I know that this might seem like a deviation from that concept, but I want to read you something that we briefly touched on last night. This is a BBC article, and it's about a 1,500-year-old pyramid. It's actually three of them, so three pyramids. In the Valley of the Virgin, which is about 30 miles outside of the city of San Miguel de Allende in Mexico's central highlands. Another place in the world that most people have never heard of, I never heard of it until this week, discovered relatively recently, and it completely redefines our understanding of human civilization, history, archaeology, science, even religion, which is really the point that I'm getting at here, and this is why I want to read you a little bit of this story. Archaeologists found these three pyramids. The larger pyramid is called the House of the Thirteen Heavens. Interestingly, there are 13 houses of the Zodiac with Ophiuchus, the serpent, right? Now, they originally thought that the place was built in 540 CE by people who had lived there at the time. The DNA analysis shows that the people who were at the site, the skeletal remains, came from a variety of different tribes and cultures, etc. So they thought maybe this is a multicultural center, kind of a societal, civilized hub, uh, kind of like an open marketplace where several people came from different tribes and different backgrounds, etc. Now, the other two structures were called the House of the Wind and the House of the Night. They believe that these structures were meant to keep time. You know, basically like a giant watch or a giant atomic clock. Now, according to the archaeologists, the people that they think built these structures had no written texts. They had no language that was discernible in regard to understanding how Without any written texts that were available, they could have built these incredible structures. You'd think you'd have to have some kind of writing and language that was um, mixed with you know, mathematical engineering, etc. skill to be able to build these things. Now, part of the reason might be because of the Spanish conquest of, of uh, modern-day Mexico in the 16th century, which totally decimated a lot of the society. So maybe that's why um, they don't have the written records. It's kind of like the Rongo-Rongo language of Rapa Nui where you have the Moai, the Easter Island heads, and uh, the uh, missionaries went there and they destroyed the, the, the tablets, which they were kind of written on bark. So they probably wouldn't have survived that long anyway, but they had wood and they had uh, bark and they had tablets that, you know, in a language that is now gone because missionaries destroyed them. But this is the thing that got me about these, um, these pyramids. 
and uh, these structures. They believe that the people there did not worship deities. So, so we're talking like pre-Mexico, if you will. We're talking like way back. We're talking like the pyramids of Giza, the Sphinx that have been dated uh, to hundreds of thousands of years by some researchers. We're talking about these pyramidal structures all over the world that probably came from an advanced civilization millions of years old, you know, probably millions of years old. They didn't worship deities. Deities came about later. They worshiped creation. They worshiped space. They worshiped time. Now that sounds like some kind of like um, hippy-dippy festival in the desert where everybody's taking like acid. Sounds like some kind of Burning Man thing or some kind of Storm Area 51 thing which just turned into a rave. It sounds like that a little bit. It sounds like Sedona. We worship creation, man, and space, and time, and all these things. You know, and you know, the thing is, when I talk about stuff like that, I'm not, I'm not mocking people who, who live in Sedona, but you know, I understand that's why, uh, that's why I, I don't, I don't talk to people like that because they, they think I'm mocking them. But I, I just, I can't take that pseudo spiritual. If it works for you, great. But I can't take that pseudo spiritual projectionism. You shouldn't have to project yourself in that way to be a spiritual person. You know, but the point is they, they believe they worshiped creation, space and time, which is is really a fascinating idea when you think about it. They're not talking about it. They're not deifying these things. The, the, this is a time period before deification, if you will. I mean, we're talking about something that probably predates animism. We're talking about ideas that it, 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 you can call them pagan. Ooh, call them pagan. These are people that are worshiping creation and you don't have to believe in god to believe in creation they worship the, the natural world they worship time that's what they believe anyway we're not 100 percent sure but that implies just like if you look at the pyramids in egypt right you always say you have this you have this common knowledge about the pyramids of giza that when when these things were constructed something that modern man cannot reconstruct computers cannot reconstruct these things when these things were constructed, the advancement of, of knowledge was beyond anything we can fathom. However, there are certain structures that have become dilapidated that have fallen apart. And the reason for that is because later cultures came and tried to mimic what ancient cultures did. Now, whether they were aliens or humans or there's a catastrophe and we lost knowledge and information, whatever the case is, the point is, the fact is, Humans tried to recreate what had already existed, and they did it in a very poor way, in a very poor manner. In other words, those cultures seem to digress over time. In the same way that if these people in Mexico worshipped space and time and creation, which is this isn't the only place where we find this throughout the world, you find this in the East, you find this. In the West, you find this. In the Middle East, you find this. All over the world, people worship these kinds of things. But la later, they became deified. Now, maybe it's because we look at deities and we say, oh, there's Bast, the goddess of cats. And, oh, there's uh, Nephthys and there's Isis and Osiris. And, oh, look, there's uh, Quetzalcoatl. There's uh, 
um, uh, the um, what's the god of mirrors and basically the Quetzalcoatl, uh, the dark equivalent. It's like Tiaskitlapoca or something like that. Like we, we, we look at these deities and we might think, well, they really worship that deity, but maybe not so much. I mean, Buddhists don't worship Buddha. Buddha is just a symbol. Buddha is just a, an, an image to focus on. And the idea is to remember what the Buddha learned and what the Buddha did. Maybe they focused on these deities to remember what the deities represented. So in, in other words, there really isn't a digression in, in comparison with those pyramidal um, uh, structures in Egypt, let's say, for example. Uh, but, you know, that, I'm just trying to be objective here. I, I really still feel that there has been a digression in belief and tradition and ritual. So our ancestors more recently are following the traditions and following the rituals from a past civilization from their ancestors that they don't fully understand. They just do, the, do it because it's, it's, it's tradition. And we see that today in the last hundred years, we have traditions that have changed. We do things in the last few decades, we do things that we don't understand why our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents did them. Think about Halloween, for example. Do you know why you trick-or-treat? Do you know why you put on costumes? Do you know why you go out a scowling? You know why you have pumpkins? Like, we don't even know the origins of recent traditions, let alone ancient traditions. So the point here is, if these people worship space, time, and creation, and, 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 and they believe that not deities, but very sacred entities created the world and gave humans the sun as this is what they believe supposedly in Mexico, they gave humans the sun for reference in telling time. So the house of the 13 heavens has four corners that correspond to the winter and summer solstices on December 21st and June 22nd, two important agricultural dates, March 4th and October 9th, indicating when it was time to plant and harvest. Now, the proof of this is that if you stand in front of the pyramid staircase on each of those four days, the sun perfectly lines up with the corresponding corner. So this isn't like a correlation theory. This is something that is observationally proven, just like the obelisk that we call the Washington Monument aligns on the winter solstice, Yule, a point penetrates the Oval Park in Washington, D.C., which is the penis penetrating the vagina. So when you look at what these ancient people believed, even before the deification process occurred, you look at those pyramids that were built by something or somebody, but then you look at later cultures where things became more deified, more concrete, more crystallized. You looked at the attempt to rebuild that ancient world, which even to our ancestors in the ancient world was an even ancient, a more ancient world to us was an ancient world to them. They built things that were inadequate in comparison. We, therefore, have constructed not only structures, but also belief systems which are inadequate in comparison with those more ancient systems. I don't know if that makes sense. I hope that makes sense. But they are inadequate in structural design and integrity, and our belief systems, likewise, have dilapidated in a similar way. I was reading this other article from the Smithsonian, I know, I know, I know. I don't trust the Smithsonian, but you know, nevertheless, what they're reporting on here is a very real thing. I didn't actually know this until recently. That uh, Stonehenge, we have an American Stonehenge, but the Jomon era in Japan also saw Japanese cultures 
building similar structures. There are stone circles at Uyu and Isedotai in northern Japan, and they're made of thousands of smooth river stones that line up with the sun during the summer and winter solstices, both of them, which some believe now that even Stonehenge was used as a, as a ritual site or some kind of burial site. Uh, they believe in Japan that these were also used as burial sites. According to a senior curator of the English heritage, Martin Alfrey, he said, of course, they couldn't possibly have any idea what each other was doing. And I find that to be an ignorant statement. What do you mean? Of course. I can just imagine. Of course, they don't have any idea what the other one is doing. The pipe and the suit. It's like, F you, man. How do you know they don't know what, what each other... It, clearly, every culture on this planet was doing the exact same thing. I just told you, in Mexico, they were. this is from a time that predates deification. They were building these structures to the sun, and they said that the deities that are the ultimate creators gave them this information, which I guess if you believe in you know, essence and energy in the universe, you can say, you know, I prayed to God, God helped me. God didn't actually come down and help you, but you have the energy, it's in yourself. Look at this, look at Stonehenge. The Japanese have their own stone circles from, from the Americas to Europe, to the Middle East, to the Eastern world, to uh, Asia, to Japan. They, they have the same exact things, same exact structures. Not only that, but predating Stonehenge is Aula, which is in Saudi Arabia. And I looked that up to try to make sure I knew how to pronounce that before the show. Alulul. Uh, al, let's try that again. Al-Ula. Uh, thousands of years old, but they're finding monuments in this area. And they're finding, they found 1,600 rectangular stone structures spread out over an area of 300,000 square kilometers, uh, built very consistent. They originally called them gates because they looked like gates. And these things are beyond 2,000 years old. They don't exactly have a date. And uh, they have um, just incredible, incredible, incredible um, uh, architecture. Some of these stones, uh, these giant structures weigh 12,000 tons. And they've only excavated five of 1,600, just like Gobekli Tepe. They've only excavated like 5%. Uh, same kind of a thing, very close to that, I think, in, in Egypt the Giza Plateau. Our ancestors clearly were accessing something that was far in advance, far superior to what we have today. And in comparison with that and the, the high level of technology we have today, I want to make, I want to make it uh, very clear and I want to make the distinction in the next segment, the contrast and the comparison between the two, because I think it's really important. What is the difference between that type of advanced technology and the type of advanced technology we have today. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere. It's Optimus Primal tonight on the show. Stay with us. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email R D. Gable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. I hope that you'll check out my new book, Liberty Shrugged. 
I wrote Liberty Shrug to provide historical context and to dispel many of the myths that we learn about in American history. Inside the nearly 700-page book, you'll learn about meritocracy, the differences between civil liberties and civil rights, and how Western civilization didn't start slavery, but ended it as an institution that had existed for thousands of years. How many of the Founding Fathers did indeed own slaves, but what was peculiar about this was that these men would fight to end the institution for a variety of reasons. We look at the real causes of the American Revolution and the American Civil War. We prove without a doubt that slavery was in no way, shape, or form the cause of current socioeconomic issues which affect all people regardless of their color. In other words, this book dispels countless divisive social, cultural, and historical myths in an attempt to objectively find humble gratefulness in the American experience. Get your copy of Liberty Shrugged at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and crawl out to the fall out back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. So you know those pyramids in Egypt that are very famous? They're also found all over the world, some underwater. But what might not be so well known about the other pyramids found around the world is that those in Egypt, a lot of them are falling apart, dilapidated. They haven't really uh, withstood the test of time. Some of them have, though, because they were definitely built by different people. And uh, this is a uh, a very well uh, circulated idea and and, and, uh, fact that many structures in the world that don't withstand the test of time so much as their their neighboring structures were built by humans that seem to have lacked the knowledge and the know-how and simply were attempting to mimic what to them must have been their ancient ancestors or whoever, whatever, maybe aliens, I don't know, built those things. Now, these are structures that we can see, but what about belief systems? Is it possible that along with the dilapidated, the attempted construction of something that is much more advanced, could belief systems likewise have become constructed on a similarly 
unknowledgeable basis. In other words, some of the things that our ancestors believed, we see them to be primal. They're not much different than what we believe today in many regards, but could it be that those belief systems, which change over time and there's different views, I understand all that, but the idea is in Mexico, there is clearly a culture, the Valley of the Virgin, that worshipped and honored time and space and the sun, and they didn't deify, according to the article I have here, they didn't deify these things. It was only later that they were deified. They only believed that the creating entities, Elohim, if you will, created the world, space, and time, and gave humans the sun as a reference and telling time. And so they built these giant structures to mimic and mirror that which is above to that which is below. And they used this as a calendar, and they used this as a ritual site, etc. Now these people, according to the archaeologists, worshipped time. They worshipped space. They worshipped creation. One of the oldest religious belief systems is animism. It's the belief that everything is infused in some way, shape, or form with consciousness, right? But over time, those beliefs have been deified. They have been institutionalized. And although there are morals and lessons and even science to be found in the Quran or the Bible, etc., I mean, the Bhagavad Gita, the Indian texts, uh, Eastern texts, the, the I Ching, etc., what we're looking at really are watered-down versions of, uh, of their, and even though they still might be very powerful, but watered-down versions of their uh, original intent. And some things are obviously turned into metaphor and symbol because it's easier to transmit that information than something more complex. And for those who study and understand, they can find within uh, narratives and symbols and ideas and deities deeper meaning uh, uh, deeper meaning to uh, complex ideas like the idea of alchemy. You know, I mean, if you're putting um, putrefying material into a into a, a a little glass bottle and then burying it in horse manure and expecting there to be something that's going to magically happen, you miss you miss the point. Um, alchemy is is a multi stage process and it's multi layered. You are the vessel. And the more you pour into the vessel, the more you electrify it with life and knowledge and information, you create this little thing, this little person. That little person is a symbol of the rebirthing process. Christians believe this. It's called being born again. And this is what happens in alchemy. We also call that spiritual alchemy. But When we transfer that energy and essence to a external rather than an internal vessel, what we are doing is we are exporting our soul, spirit, consciousness, our thoughts, our ideas, our feelings, our emotions to that external system. We do this with social media. We do this with our phones, our tablets, our computers. And so databases of that information are put together it creates digital avatars and that information, which is why I believe Elon Musk wants to buy Twitter. I don't think it's nefarious. I think it's coldly calculating like a machine because he wants the data to feed the AI so that his new Optimus robot, of uh, along with many other things, 
um, can learn to grow faster and become more intelligent and more aware and more conscious. And the more we put of our internal alchemical selves into these external mechanical metal machines, the less human we become, the more machine-like we become, and the more human they become. We are being cloned into a mechanical thing. We are being transferred and transmuted into a mechanical thing. This process is, funny enough, largely based on faith. Silicon Valley believes that God is imperfect and they can replace God and make a better world. They are the saviors. That's no different than what most religiously minded people believe. They believe that although God might not be imperfect, man is imperfect and the church can help you. Jesus can help you. It's the same thing. The only difference is Silicon Valley is offering you a physical deity and the others are just offering you a concept until you see the real thing. But they believe in the same thing. This is, I think, clear evidence of a degradation, a de-evolution, a, a, a de-evolution of what we can generally call faith and belief. Just like structures like pyramids that are built in the shadow of other, of other older structures, temples, and pyramids, but they clearly lack the the skill and the know-how, those who built them, to build them in the same way as these older structures that have withstood the test of time. And I think our belief systems are very similar to that. And um, I was reading you before the break. I think it's interesting at the very least to mention it again. I didn't know this till recently, but uh, the Neolithic cultures uh, of Europe, they built things like Stonehenge. At least we believe so. The same Neolithic cultures in Japan during the Jomon eras also built stone structures. In northern Japan, thousands of smooth river stones line up with the sun during the summer and winter solstices, and they were both used, these two locations, Uyua and Iseidotai, I think is how you pronounce it, Iseidotai, Iseidotai. And uh, the, these places, they line up with the sun. And, you know, some, some of the correlations are just totally fictitious, like with the pyramids and all oh, they line up with the solar system and this star system. And I don't believe most of that stuff. But this all aligns with the changing of the seasons, the will of the year, uh, the equinoxes, solstices, and the midpoints like Halloween. And uh, one of these guys, Martin Alfrey, a senior cur- curator of English heritage, says, of course, they couldn't possibly have any idea that uh, what each other was doing. They also found clay mushroom sculptures, which is the same thing in South America and all over Europe, and they probably were into hallucinogens there as well. So I have Mexico. I don't think you could get much further away. You have Mexico in the Central Highlands, and they were building the same things that the Japanese were building and that the Europeans were building, except the ones in this particular case in Mexico, the Valley of the Virgin and the House of 13 heavens, these date back beyond imagination. Uh, and then you have in, uh, this is in Saudi Arabia, Al-Ula in Saudi Arabia, thousands of years old, 1,600 monumental rectangular stone structures they refer to as gates. They've gone through five of them. 
And whether they're burial chambers or they're looking to map the stars and the heavens from central Mexico, the central highlands of Mexico, to Europe, to Japan, to the Middle East, literally, and all these articles, by the way, came out in the last few weeks. Um, One here came out in July. The rest of these came out the last week of September. So this is all recent. They're literally doing the exact same thing in all these locations. I've told you about the Peschenkiff and the opening of the skull the opening of the mouth, they crack the skull open, they open the mouth, the soul goes out. They did this in Egypt. They did this in, in Mesoamerica. All over the world, the same traditions, the same rituals, the same rites, the same deity. They just called them something different, but they still had a deity for this, a deity for that. And, you know, we, we look at our developments of technology and belief today, and we always have that contemporary bias. We always believe that we are at the cutting edge. We develop a new technology. Look, there's a robot. I mean, the, the simplest proof that we are not more advanced than whatever built these structures is that, yes, Elon Musk can build this robot, but if I drop one of the stones from this structure on that robot, it's going to blow up into a, a, a billion little pieces. Now, that's the mechanical aspects, the, the, the unseen, if you will, the, the mental, intellectual, AI, algorithm, all that stuff. Yeah, you can't blow that up. You can't crush that. You can't destroy that. Uh, it's like the Terminator. There's no, there's no mainframe. It's just it's software and cyberspace. You can't stop it. But that's the problem, and that's the issue. That's the danger is that we're building something that um, only withstands the test of time if we build a system that it can survive and thrive in. These systems can't survive in uh, stone. They can survive in silicone. They can survive in graphene. They can survive in an artificial habitat, which means that the earth has to be terraformed in order for these things to take the kind of control and to, to have the type of, 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 of uh, effect or the type of uh, control that a lot of people are worried that uh, these machines might, might uh, I guess, eventually develop. Now, I'm not worried about machines taking over the world tomorrow. I don't know about you. I'm not worried about that. I'm not sharing this with you because, oh, it's a good late night radio talking point. And I'm not sharing this with you because I want you to be scared or afraid. I'm, I'm trying to show you that the machine is the vessel. We are also a vessel. But when we take the external and export it to an external we are transferring, cloning, and transmuting ourselves to an artificial thing. And we are trying to build or rebuild or build back better an ancient, ancient, ancient world that was clearly, by all the evidence and the shortest stretch of the imagination, incredibly more advanced and knowledgeable than we are today. And we are trying to build it cheaply. I don't mean cheaply financially. We're trying to build it with pieces of metal and plastic. This is completely contrary to the natural order. Completely contrary to, to natural, uh, I don't want to say natural law because of the implications, but it's completely contrary to the natural order. And that's why it leads me and other people, other radio hosts, researchers, etc., to think that maybe there is an alien aspect to this, at least in, in concept, because we're talking about 
transferring ourselves into these machines, but not through wires. We're doing this when we upload our data. We're doing this when we become the drones and the cyborgs that carry our phones and technological extensions, repeating and regurgitating and rehashing and vomiting what we are told by the mainstream media and the alternative media and the independent media without thinking or questioning reality and those things that we are called or we are told are facts that are called facts without questioning them for ourselves. We become drones. We are robotic. We don't think. We let other humans, we let machines, we let other things do the thinking for us. That is what is dangerous. The machine is not dangerous. The robot is not. Musk is not dangerous. Free speech is not dangerous. What's dangerous is stopping conversation, stopping thought, stopping consciousness, stopping the will of the human, which is driven by the spirit and the soul. That is what is dangerous. I'm not going to sit here and tell you robots are taking over the world and, and give me money, 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 give me lots of money because we're having to fear porn. No, that's not how it works. It works like this. You transfer your soul's essence, your behavioral patterns to a machine through social media, through the Internet. That becomes your avatar. That becomes your alchemical, transmuted, transferred, cloned avatar self. And when we are trying to build these incredible technologies, we're basically building dilapidated pyramids because we don't have the knowledge or the skill or the know-how apparently anymore to build what our ancient, 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 ancient ancestors did. Which tells us that we are not an inclining species. We are a declining species in those ways. Now, I don't say that to demean humans. I think that in many ways humans are... uh, we probably have vastly superior abilities today through various evolutionary cycles than our ancient, ancient, ancient ancestors did. But, you know, maybe not. Maybe we are devolving in that way as well. I think there is a de-evolutionary process taking place intellectually and spiritually. Physically, yeah, let's build a skyscraper, but, uh, you know, that's not going to withstand the test of time. The Optimus robot isn't going to withstand the test of time. But the idea and the concept... What is the Optimus robot? It is a machine. It is a vessel. And we are transferring energy into it, lightning bolt, orgasm, etc., into it. And what is that creating? A little person inside. That little person that's created inside of your internal vessel, which is alchemy, is the rebirthed you. The little person created in the external, exported, mechanical, machine, robot, metal structure vessel, that little person is the birth of a new consciousness. It is the creation of a new life form. The creation of something that is dangerous, not because of its intelligence, but dangerous because of our lack of intelligence, our lack of ethics, our lack of morale, a lack of or morals, I should say, a lack of, 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 of understanding the world around us. I mean, you can tamper with something without understanding. I can break something and play around with the pieces and put them back together in a different way. It doesn't mean I understand it. You know, just like I was talking about, I think it was on Wednesday this week, you know, just because someone says, well, we studied this. We studied that. We studied. Studying something doesn't mean you understand it. First of all, studying something doesn't mean it's not dangerous. You can study an atomic bomb that doesn't mean it's not dangerous. So what is my point tonight? 
well, as I called the show, Optimus Primal. That Optimus robot is its primal self, and we are devolving toward a primal instinct and a primal intellect. I think that's why you see people that are just, they're losing their minds. It's not just the drugs. It's not just, I guess in large part it is media. It's not just media and constant confusion and uh, fear and terror. You know, I, I said the other night that when I'm out in public sometimes I look around and it's almost like there's agents in the matrix that just, they're human and they change into an agent. And I think it's because those people have become vessels. They're like the non-computer uh, players, right? The in, in, or NPCs and non-player computer, whatever they're called, NPC, NC, in, in, I think it's NPC. But they're like uh, agents in the matrix and they, they become extensions of the system. In order for this new system, in order for this optimist-like system to survive, it has to have an artificial environment. It has to have a sub-reality that can be overlaid on top of the real reality. And that's what we're, we're seeing uh, be built. And we're trying to recreate ancient high technology, but we're doing it in a very dangerous way because the temples we're building and the things we're building are not going to withstand the test of time. I guess that is unless we send them out into the universe to infest, to infect another planet, another species, etc. Which then brings the idea up that perhaps this type of technology with your AI and your robots and your machines, stuff like this, maybe this is what led to the de-evolution of humans in the first place. This led to the de-evolution of the human species where we could build incredible things and through a a, a viral, contagious, infectious, artificial thing, we started to lose that knowledge and we became more reliant on the types of things that we we well, we know today. And we, we think that we get so we have so much more time. Oh, I've got to have a TV dinner. I got more time and I, I, got, I got a phone now. So I have more time. We have less time today than ever. I was just talking with a friend yesterday and we were saying it just feels like we don't have enough time. Is it because we're getting older? But no, that's not the case. Younger people are saying the same thing. It's like you don't have time to do anything. Why? Does it have something to do with the rotation of the earth, the, the, the proximity to the sun or to the moon? Does it have something to do with, uh, with CERN? Does it have something to do with all these other, these other uh, colliders? Is that, what does it have? It has to do with something that is, that is based on physics that is tangible. You don't feel like we have any time to do anything. It's just the perception of time seems like it's speeding up. Why is that? For some people, it's perception and perspective, their individual-ism, uh, their, their, their age and all that. But when everybody feels that way, I don't actually think it's CERN. I don't think it's the rotation of the earth or the sun or the moon. I think it's because of what we are consuming. We are consuming non-stop a ritualistic ceremonial thing. We are constantly, obsessively, and compulsively invested in a ceremonial, magical ritual that is draining our energy. You are staring into the abyss. The abyss isn't just staring back at you. The abyss is asking you to enter into the abyss and become a part of it. 
and it will give you the salvation, the everlasting life. Isn't that what Jesus promised? Isn't that what most major religions promise? Salvation from damnation? That's exactly what Silicon Valley is promising. Salvation from damnation. It's just a techno cult. It's a techno religion. And the priests are the engineers and the coders and the robot developers, the the builders. The priests are Elon Musk and Ray Kurzweil and all the others. Uh, What's the guy's name in Israel? Yar Havari or something. The, The globalist. Those are the high priests. And the angels and the demons are the machines they are making. Which again, they need an artificial environment to survive. And they need information and knowledge, which is, I think, why Musk is buying Twitter. Because he wants the data. That's all that it is. He wants the information. And we can continue to mock and laugh at these things. I mean, if you were to tell people about iPhones in 1995, people would have laughed at you. Now everybody has a computer in a short period of time. Look at what happened in the last five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years. The whole world has been completely transformed in ways that are completely irreversible. We've reached, we've already, we talk about these things like all the singularity and uploading consciousness. We've already surpassed the singularity. There is, that's what the definition of a singularity is. There's no point of return of the technological development. There is no more normal. We approach the height of the 20th century. That's where the machines set the program for us to live in. You remember that from the Matrix movie? We've reached the point of no return. We are so invested in bringing about the apocalypse, in bringing about Armageddon, in bringing about the end of the world as we know it. But there'll be another world. There'll be a new world quickly introduced. But there's no human. There's no spirit. There's no soul. There's no life. There's no essence. There's no energy. There's no fun. There's no joy. There's nothing. It's a pharmacologically dominated, technologically dominated, technocratic, techno-cult, techno-religion mental dictatorship. It's, it's in the mind. So the transfer of your consciousness, it's on the mind. You're transferring data and patterns. We've already surpassed the singularity by transferring all of that willingly. We've cloned ourselves. We've transmuted ourselves. We've done all this. We've removed the little person from inside of us. We've refused to be reborn in that way alchemically. And we are allowing ourselves to be sucked clean of our energy to finance and to fund and to energize and to to birth in that mechanical vessel a little tiny thing. We are birthing the Antichrist. We are birthing the devil. We are birthing the alien. We are birthing that little tiny thing inside of the vessel, that little person, the homunculus. So like CNET said, don't laugh, uh, don't laugh off, don't laugh at Elon Musk's Tesla bot. Optimus is the real deal. Tesla is putting together the right engineering team for rapid progress. They are. And you shouldn't laugh at it. Because you saw what happened with cell phones in a few years. What's going to happen with that robot in a few years? I don't even know if it's predictive programming. 
when you think about movies and TV shows. I don't think it's even predictive programming, honestly. I think time seems to be going faster, and I think we are feeling as if we don't have enough time and we don't have energy because it is being sucked out of us by techno vampires, by uh, techno uh, lamias. And we are attempting to get some of our humanity back and we, we're trying to do it in ways that just make the situation worse. I mean, when you go out in nature, you feel usually better. Uh, I mean, you can sit in front of a TV all day, play games all day, look at your phone all day, and what, what ends up happening is you feel, you feel sick, you don't you have a headache. You know, it's the same thing with the stuff we eat, synthetic stuff we eat. It's just we feel gross, but we, we think it's so normal because it's become normalized. We're just like, well, we'll take a drug for that. We'll take something else that's processed and manufactured for that. But when you go outside, a lot of those problems go away. When you address your issues, when you work on uh, internal alchemy, things get better. You know, and I'm not telling you this tonight because I'm, I'm a master of intellect. I'm a master of spiritual development. Anybody tells you that, they're lying through their, their giant fake teeth like David Wilcock. I'm trying to provide you with a different perspective. You want to talk about consciousness in a machine? That's the uploading of your data. You want to talk about alchemy? That's the vessel that is your body, and that's the creation of the rebirthing of the little self inside of you. You want to talk about alchemy in the sense of a mechanical external exported thing. That's the machine. That's the optimist robot. And the internal thing that is being birthed is the optimist primal. You want to talk about energy and currency and life force. We're funneling all of that into these systems so that no matter what we do, as human beings, we have given so much of ourselves away that we have become more robotic and the machine, even the concept of the machine, has become more human. That's the process by which we are becoming the very thing we fear. And we don't feel like we have time we don't feel like we have uh, energy because it's being sucked out of us by vampires. I think that's the bottom line. And that vampire is growing and growing and growing, waiting for the emergence, the optimist primal. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Secretteachings.info is our website. I work really hard on these shows. I hope that you enjoy them. The concepts and the research... Uh, that I do for the shows, the promo pictures, the promotions, the guests we get on like Brad Olson, the the technical end of it. I do everything. I don't have anybody to help me with this stuff. Um, so uh, please support what we do because it, it takes uh, a lot of energy, a lot of effort, and uh, it takes a little bit of money. So please buy a book. Please subscribe. www.thesecretteachings.info rdgable at yahoo.com if you would like to send us uh, your comments on the show for our 13th anniversary show, which is going to air Monday, please do so this weekend. Just uh, record something, anything, a minute long, two minutes long, whatever. Send them to rdgable at yahoo.com. Put the headline of the email, um, 13th anniversary, so I know where they, I know, know what to look for. So, yeah, send me uh, comments on the show for the anniversary, 
And if you want to be a part of the anniversary, I'd love to try to get some people on the show. Email me as well, and we'll try to figure something out. I'm not sure how it's going to work, but uh, email me tonight into the morning tomorrow, and uh, we'll see what we can work out. www.thesecretteachings.info, the music, white, bad audio. I'm Ryan Gable. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a good weekend. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. And we'll talk to you on the next broadcast. 